0: If I had words To make a day for you I'd sing you a morning Golden and true I would make this day Last for all time Then fill the night Deep in moonshine If I had words To make a day for you I'd give you a morning Golden and true Hello, listening people! Hello! Hello, Bartek, how are you doing? Good, good, Ryan, how are you? I'm doing very, very well, I'm just here ready to talk about something but i don't know what yet how about you inform me a bit on 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 the layout of the of the land here
1: you know it's really convenient that you're ready to talk about something right cuz we're actually look around us we're on a show
0: we're on a show <laughs> we're okay. on a
1: podcast.
0: What's a podcast?
1: Well, you see, back when iPods came out, people thought, like, what if we do, like, radio, but, like, on our iPods? So they created, you know, these kind of radio shows, and they called them
0: iPod podcasts. Oh, they called them iPod um, And the
1: terminology still continue. Like, we I mean, we're on Apple Podcasts, but, you know, we're not necessarily, like, an Apple show or anything like that.
0: Not yet. But
1: basically when we say podcast, we kind of just mean recorded radio audio show, show kind of thing.
0: Wow, where do video podcasts fall into this equation? Which we don't do.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's weird. So I, I think that they're kind of something different. But you know, some people have video formats for the show. But you know what? We don't have to stick to traditional structures of things. We can
0: be our own thing. Yeah. And sometimes we can talk about movies, something that podcasts don't do enough of, Yeah, and they don't have Polish people do it, who are mm. always spitting, and that's why we're different.
1: This was a very good answer to the question. I hope you all enjoyed the show. This has been our episode on what podcasts are, or what they can
0: be. But who are they? (laughs) They. (laughs) And how did they escape the law? (laughs) Now we've become serial.
1: (laughs) I'm like, wait, who's they? Did we establish a they? (laughs) They, the
0: podcast. Who are they? The the podcast is not an entity. (laughs) We explained what they are, but we never explained how they are. And so, emotionally speaking, we know how they are functioning, but uh, where are they now?
1: (laughs) This is all confusing, so I'm going to answer a question you didn't answer. We are called Spit and Polished, likingly because we're always spitting and we both happen to be polished, and we are doing our show, Pictures Powwow.
0: I'm sorry I didn't answer that answer. I'm so sorry. Uh, You you literally just said, I'm going to answer an answer you didn't give, and I'm like, okay. Yes,
1: well, put it down in the email below.
0: Put it in the email, spit and Ryan and editing, you know what you have to do. No, I'm not doing anything (laughs) different. Ryan and
1: editing, you can take a break this week.
0: Thank you. Yes, I will take a break. And this episode will come out after Easter now, (laughs) thanks to that. I'll get two weeks off. No, we are here to talk about movies on Pictures Power where we talk about movies that came recommended. Bartek will recommend a film one week, I the next, and you, the listening people out there, can recommend movies to us. We add them to a list, so feel free to contact us with a movie suggestion. Uh, Always obliged, oh, it's it's always welcome, but it would be greatly obliged if you could find, like, if you could suggest movies that are at least easy enough to find, because there are some on our list that. I have a little asterisk too. I'm like, I need to help find. I need to find a good Mm. copy of this. Yeah,
1: there have been a couple where I'm like, I have to look for that at some point, just so we can Mm. actually, you know, pick it.
0: Yeah, but we are doing a listening people's recommendation. My wife Rachel, who was the guest last week, recommended Babe. Yes, Babe from 1995, starring James Cromwell. And a pig,
1: not to be confused with the babe.
0: Not confused with the babe or babe. A pig in the city,
1: starring J. Crom.
0: No, or if you type "babe" into an illegal site, I'm not going to say what type of bay. You'll get many, many different types (laughs) of recommendations if you don't specify the year.
1: What if you put like a different word, like big, like big babe? Would that give us something?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if you put "hot" in there and somewhere (laughs) too,
1: maybe like double.
0: Yeah, 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 and throbbing.
1: And just so you know that, like, they have many entries. You can put some big number, like sixty-eight or seventy, or
0: something. something like that. Something in between. There. Something in
1: between, like sixty-nine.
0: Yeah, almost twenty. Yeah.
1: So and triple X because you know X can mean anything. So no, you're looking
0: X's, for yeah. you're looking for the Xander Cage movie starring Vin Diesel. X triple X and the second one, which stars Ice Cube, where he fights against the president.
1: You know, you're funny, Ryan, but you're getting away from the porn jokes. So
0: that that there.
1: Ryan and editing get off your break you have to cut out what ryan and that there was that
0: there was a top joke I, uh, you know what that wins the award at the Academy's
1: top <laughs> joke no ryan we were talking about that before the recording people don't have context
0: which is for kings <laughs> and let's get into babe if people you have not seen babe what can i say you go watch it because we're going to talk about it now uh I have seen this I grew up with this film it wasn't as big in my household I was talking to my parents about this and they said oh that was more Lana's demographic so like my sister who is a couple years older and makes sense because this came out in 1995 I would have yeah. been a couple years old yeah, at the like time two so, and a bit maybe and I didn't think it I don't recollect it being on television as much as other children's films like your big fat liars like Jamunji and so on and so forth but my parents family had it on video my sister watched it a bunch apparently but it was one that i've seen occasionally but not not uh not a lot of in my life not where i'm just like oh this is a classic specifically for me as a kid i've probably seen it equal amount to the second film as well so some of the elements blur together a little bit there's way more of the duck in the second one than in the first so uh yeah and way more magda as well so Unless James Cromwell. But uh, that is briefly my history with it. What about you, babe?
1: Um, I'm not 100% sure, but for some reason, like, I've always known about the film and I've always associated it with the classroom that I had when I was in grade prep, which in Victoria prep is the grade that you do before grade one. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you're like five years old. So I'm thinking maybe I might have seen it when I was in prep, like at school, but I'm not entirely sure. I've always known what it was, and I remember when it was recommended last week, um, I, I didn't know that there were two films. So I was like, oh, mm-hmm. babe, it's something like The City, right?
0: No, that's the second.
1: Yeah, and then when I looked it up, I'm like, oh, no, 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 this, that's a sequel, and this is the first one, so okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might have seen it, but I can't say for sure. Now you have. I knew that it was like a you know cute talking pig film.
0: Very much responsible for what we have now when it comes to these talking animal movies the big influx of them mm. where they cgi with the animal's mouths to make them talk it's become a more of a burden if anything mm. in the genre there's very few yeah. films that you could say utilizes the the live action talking animals as well as babe hence it still stands out as quite a titan when it comes to not only children and families of entertainment but specifically this style of it where mm. you have so many of them now where it's kind of embarrassing when you see them. We even talked about this briefly, well you guys did when we when Snow Dogs was covered where it's like there's that one sequence where the animals talk and many yeah, people yeah. believed that that was the whole movie like yes, everyone's that's like right. everyone thought the whole movie was like all the dogs dog film, are talking yeah. and having wacky adventures and same with kangaroo jack where everyone thought it was a movie where a kangaroo yeah. talk. at least in that film it was a cgi kangaroo that was like a whole little creature that wasn't like a real kangaroo that they moved the mouth of like here in uh in uh, babe but i just wanted to touch upon that because that is important and for our podcast we've done a lot of children's films family films but we haven't really touched upon that element of family films as often if, if i'm trying to recollect have we ever I'm trying there's been so many films. I'm how sure how that, did the
1: racing stripes do it? Was,
0: did they do yeah, lip they, stuff? Yeah, they did lip stuff. So we did racing stripes and that's probably the main one I can recall that we've done that has had that gimmick. Usually there've been stuff like Kangaroo Jack on Snow Dogs where it's like a one scene thing that tricks you into thinking that's the whole movie. But uh, that's my roundabout way of saying, yes, they talk in this. Yeah. Um, So what did you think? Uh,
1: Yeah, it was a really interesting film. Uh, Obviously not having big memories about whether I have seen it or not. Um, There was an element of like, okay, what's the story? How's it going to progress? What's the relationship with the characters going to be like? And uh, I was surprised at how uh, blunt it was about like, you know, regular farm stuff. Like, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. pigs are things that exist to be eaten eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, There's the whole like... Social hierarchy going on here that like goes very much into like you know nature versus nurture stuff, uh, power dynamics, and yeah, I wasn't expecting like oh the the cute pig film. It's probably just going to be you know cute pig film. Throw it on for the four-year-old they'll get everything but yeah it went a little bit deeper than that
0: didn't it and darker but darker and the film really opens up on a rather somber note for mm. the cute talking pig movie
1: yeah and, and when, when the film was recommended um the side note i always thought of this like oh yeah, it's like an australian film
0: mm-hmm. i didn't know that
1: it was a co-production
0: uh, There's a lot to be said about the production of this and even when you're watching it, like where it lives. I did mention at the end of the last episode that George Miller was involved. He directs the sequel, but here mm-hmm. he's just a producer. But it is one of those those cases where it's like poltergeist where the the producer, in that case, Steven Spielberg, had their fingers in the pie yeah, so like, much that- Did he ghost that, it? Did he yeah. basically direct it? And even the director of, of Babe, Chris Noonan, says as much like George Miller was just so involved and so demanding and so up in his grill about it he's he basically says it wasn't really my film at the end of the day it was more George's movie And George has a statement like, I gave it to him on a silver plate and he didn't take it. And it's like, well, George, why didn't you just direct it yourself then, man?
1: (laughs) I I remember growing up, like the idea of the directors, like, oh, yeah, they're the big brand. They're the one who Mm -hmm. like own the product. And then growing up, you start learning what a producer actually is. You start
0: learning names like Harvey Weinstein, John Peters, like these uh, names that are like, oh, they're producers and then you start to realize a bit more oh they have a lot more say in what happens yeah. in movies.
1: I remember for me it was there was an episode of Ren and Stimpy where Stimpy was directing a movie and Ren was the producer and explained like yes I make all the decisions like this silly cartoon got it wrong but nope.
0: No <laughs> the that's producers silly are the cartoon. big brain
1: ones they're the ones that accept the best picture this right?
0: At times yeah. Yeah. I mean they all do but uh yeah, uh Babe is a somber movie. It is striking in that way. It's been so long since I've watched it that it, it, I remembered the beats of it, I remembered the iconic scenes of it, the characters. But I was taken aback by just how uh morose and macabre and downbeat the film is willing to be. Mm. And I found it actually quite comforting in a lot of ways as well where uh, there's still many children's films like this or family films like this now, where there's just such an understanding that children can handle mature concepts, and it's not condescending. I feel like we grew up with so many movies, whether they were all like like throughout the whole film like this, which babe does, like babe continues to be like this throughout. Or you have those movies with like the really hard hitting scenes, like a Jumanji I mentioned before, and I feel like we had a plethora of those growing up. And I wanted to be like, oh, we don't get them as much nowadays, but do we? Do get plenty of those nowadays? Paddington has some of that within the whimsy, and even uh, you know, into the Spider Verse, a movie we've both watched and enjoyed as well, has surprisingly mature aspects and the ideas to it for what is a superhero kids movie that's animated and it's flying around and doing silly stuff mm. it's something that i really appreciate about storytellers and filmmakers and writers that work within children's entertainment or family entertainment the ones that are actually like willing to accept that the young children have brains and an have feelings and they may not know how to articulate those feelings but you the filmmaker can weave that for them and help it be a formative experience and it can be
1: like an analogy that they can refer back to later in life where it's like oh inequalities this is just like that scene in babe or something like that
0: uh a film i was thinking about this a film that would pair beautifully with babe as a double feature movie night i don't know if you'll agree with this but uh, Chicken Run came to mind very often during this. I kept thinking, "Oh, Chicken Run would actually be beautiful to watch alongside with this." That's
1: another one that I'm not sure if I've seen the full thing or just part of it. Oh yeah. well,
0: yeah, Chicken Run's also on the farm. It's really upfront and personal with showing us the farm life and how grizzly it is. That's a that's the the Great Escape though. Like they're trying to escape from the farm, Well Babe isn't. They just live. I
1: think Racing Striped had, like, a throwaway line from a chicken that's like, oh, they said this thing. I don't know what it means. And it clearly meant, like, oh, they're going to kill him and eat him. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: So uh, tell me a bit more about your experiences walking into Babe. You have vague recollections of perhaps watching this in the past, but uh, tell us a bit more about watching it.
1: It's, like, a level above vague. Like, I cannot confirm anything. Um, I was surprised that it did, like, the My Blue Heaven thing of, like, the title cards every now and then. It made it almost seem like... It was a compilation of, like, TV episodes mm-hmm. of, like, a short limited series that, like, went to a certain conclusion.
0: Or chapters in a children's book. Or
1: chapters in a children's book, yes. Thankfully, the mice read them out for me because I struggle with that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting when you get these kind of films that, like, establish a status quo and, like, have these firm rules that uh, the characters are stuck with like you have to do this because you have to be grateful for being a duck or being a pig or whatever 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 Um, and just seeing like how that status quo will get challenged like if this is a film that's going to end with being comfortable with the status quo or or changing it in some way um, I, I was kind of on the edge of my seat probably a bit of an exaggeration, but just wondering, like, okay, how's it gonna play out here? What's what's gonna be the the, go, the way it gets there? Mm. Um, and I had a point, but I've forgotten it.
0: But <laughs> I I actually think this is the edge of your seat type of entertainment. Let's not forget this was nominated for best picture. Like, this right, is yeah. a, a movie that. Remove it from just being a talking pig movie, it really finds the the, 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 the sense of place, the sense of theme and the characters, and w- just constructs them in a way where you can't help but want to watch it and get emotionally invested. I, I, I know the iconic beats of the movie. I know James Cromwell is a wonderful actor, and yet it still doesn't mean that I'm not moved by the end of this when we get the iconic that'll do pig and I'm like that's the best ending you could do for this movie (laughs) like I get a little bit weepy or I get a little bit choked up uh, in the heart at least when I see some of the things that they're going on here with
1: and I remember when I was reading up about the film afterwards like reading reviews and stuff and people kept commenting about like oh yeah James Cromwell he didn't have many lines in it but you know the, the performance really came through and that whole thing about like he didn't have many lines kind of threw me off because I didn't notice that. It's like I always felt like he was giving us something, Mm -hmm. and it it was clear to me. It's almost like he was saying things all throughout the film, so when they're like, oh, he was man a few words. It was like, shit, he was, wasn't he? (laughs) They
0: they talk about him a lot, and Mm. that gives him even more of a presence within the movie. His wife is always talking about the narrator, babe, all of these people uh, refer to him, and yet a lot of the shots when they do that is just him quietly being there and but you do get james cromwell signed on because it had minimal lines of dialogue he wanted a bit of a break but mm. then he didn't really realize that he's in the movie a lot yeah, but like that, that was a fun trivia there.
1: point where it's like oh this will be an easy film for an easy and patient. he gets a big
0: dance number <laughs> and it's awesome uh yeah james cromwell i mean just to talk about him briefly are you at all familiar with james cromwell as an actor by any chance
1: feel like I've seen him in things, but I can't lift it off the top of my head Oh, man
0: know. well he's 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 a delight he's very tall, as you can see in the movie, he's like six foot five, <laughs> well, certainly next to the animals <laughs> and magda and Magda yeah, and the doors in their house where he bumps his head walking <laughs> through them, and he has to like crouch to go through them. yeah James Cromwell has been in a magnitude of things I've, I don't know if you've ever watched l a confidential by any chance, but he is fantastic in that he's he's wonderful he's 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 a he's the cop and he's a piece of shit but he's also like sweet it's it's hard to describe but he's really there he was in the green mile i bring up that often as well he's he's the warden in the green mile i most notably remember him for first contact the star trek film with the borg he is the guy who fa- who find who is the founder of uh warp speed like he breaks through into warp speed mm-hmm. in the star trek universe like that's his character and even recently he reprised that role in voice form for the star trek animated series that they've got going on so he is just one of those working actors he's just been around the block he's been in so much i don't know what you would actually know him for because you know, like i said he does tv he does movies he does voice work he does you know live action stuff he's just Always there. He was in the artist, apparently. I can't remember him in it, but Okay, I, well I've seen that. <laughs> but uh yeah, he's uh oh yeah, he was he was George H. W. Bush in uh W with Josh Brolin as George W. Bush. Uh and he was great in that. I would recommend seeing that. Oh yeah, he was um Captain Stacy in Spider Man three. He was Gwen Stacy's cop dad in okay. Spider Man Three which uh, maybe we'll have to come back to. He's played a lot of Popes, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that. Ooh, or a lot yeah. of Cardinals, I should say. He's been in a lot of... Oh, you've seen iRobot, Robot, right? The Will Smith film? I don't think I have. Oh, well, maybe that will change one day on this podcast. But I could go through his catalogue and keep going. Uh, <laughs> I'm just getting excited. I think
1: I looked um, at his filmography the other day, and I was like, oh, yeah, I've, I know I've seen these things, but I don't remember. Like, the, the artist was one of them.
0: mm uh my favorite sequence in babe when i was sitting down to watch it last night i watched it with rachel she was like do you want me to be here or do you want me to leave i'm like you recommended it it's like okay i'll sit down and watch it in the episode of watching it watching it together and um uh my favorite scene in this actually was when we kept cutting to and from the big event itself to Magda with all of her friends and right, how yeah. she's hysterical over it. And I just really loved the supreme intercutting that they had going on there, just going back and forth and even going into the room where James Cromwell is not, I would go I was going to say, pleading his case, but he's not even saying anything. They're just like, uh, yeah, we'll allow <laughs> it. I really like that sequence of events. I just thought it was one of those, it's like a sports movie in a way where, they, they, when they just can cut together a series of images of people either in the competition or the people watching from the sidelines or the people watching on the TV and they're all having those reactions, even to bring it back to something we've done fairly recently on the podcast, Bill and Ted, in the second Bill and Ted, when they eventually get to be on the concert and you have all of those magnificent cutaways to all of the people around, around the world. The world yeah. Or even in the Truman Show is another great example. But I'm a sucker for that, but I thought they really – um really weaved it into a nice piece of work here with that sequence there. Cause that's all before the event happens. Like before babe has to prove themselves and all of that. I just, it really got me salivating. It really got me going. And I'm like, I, 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 I noticed that I was actively excited by it. Cause yeah. that's just, I, remember, I
1: remember in the, the room where the guy was like reading out the thing of like, this is an embarrassing thing, but technically there is no rule against it. So what do you want to do? It's like that room was like so dark. Yeah, I was gonna like, say
0: it's like lit like a war movie. Yeah, like
1: a war, like a dark conspiracy, or like oh, we finally met like the leader of this like small town,
0: uh,
1: internationally small deal, but here big deal kind of thing. <laughs> it's like kind of its own little world, like almost like an adult version of what we were talking about in like Tommy Tricker, where it's like oh the obsession with the stamps. Here it's like oh the obsession with the sheepdog contest. <laughs> that was fun. Because it was played straight.
0: It was. And that's another thing to really commend, babe, is there's another version of this where it's the silly talking pig movie where the pig does a little la 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 and just has a kidsy voice and it's lowest common denominator. But they take it seriously. Like, I never laugh at the fact that our main character is a silly little pig with a little tuft of hair on their head and they're running around chasing sheep.
1: Yeah, voiced by Chucky Finster and Dexter. Yes. Yeah. Oh
0: yes, yes. But I never I never think about it. Like I never even think about how humorous this whole entire thing is because they present it to you in this uh, fairy tale storybook-like way where you understand the conceit with the singing mice and all of that and the little interstitials and titles and everything where it's so well realized that you can't deny what it is. Like It's one of those where you can tell when you read the trivia, George Miller had this in his mind for 10 years. Damn right he did. You can mm-hmm. tell when you watch that. This that this is a fully formed like thing that has come out and they take it seriously like james cromwell is not funny in this movie he's genuinely sweet and like stern and scary like you're talking about the macabre stuff there's a sequence where he grabs out a gun and he's gonna shoot babe in the fucking face and it's treated not just seriously but offhandedly like it's it's both he's dram- already killed a duck at this point yeah it's both dramatic and yet casual Very, 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 very great material throughout all of this when it comes to how they play with the tones of a scene where both it can be very, very heightened and dramatic. Like there is loading the shells into it, but also so casual where it almost feels like you mentioned, like real mundane. This is the hierarchy in life of, of farming, you know, of just a little thing like that.
1: It's a nightmare for animal rights activists. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I agree with you, especially about, like, the well-realized world. Like, as soon as Babe comes to the farm, like, the the farm does not stop for him. Like, the, the characters that he meets, you know, usher him along. They have patience for him. But it's like, okay, now we have to come here. Okay, now you meet the dogs. Now you meet this animal. Now you meet that animal. Now you learn this rule about, like, oh, you're not allowed in the house. Um, you learn that there's, uh, sheep somewhat further away from the farm. Uh, you get the kind of geography, like the, the gates over here, the houses over here, barns over here, second barns over here. Mm. Like you start learning everything. And even though I said earlier, like, oh, it almost felt like, you know, snippets of a TV show that come together to a complete product. There really is a lot of, uh, information that isn't just self-contained in those snippets. So that you know, it was a bit of a joke when I said it, but. Um. Yeah, it, it all feels realized. It all feels like everything is there from the start. It's not like a twist of like, oh, you didn't know that we were satanic cultists? And then mm-hmm. for the rest of the film, it's like very obvious. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, where was all this when we started or anything like that?
0: I like that you brought that out of the well, it's, it's just like an
1: extreme example. It's yeah. Guys who haven't seen Babe, there is no Satan in this. No. Satan is dead.
0: <laughs> and God is all... <laughs> Uh, did you have a favorite scene or something that really stood out to you when you're watching it, or now when you're reflecting on it? A lot of the
1: things with Fly, the the mother dog, it was really heartwarming, voiced
0: you know, by the Miriam Margulies.
1: I didn't realize that until afterwards. It's like, oh shit, it's Miriam.
0: <laughs> I didn't realize it until she yelled at the sheep at the end. Like she just said that, did that yell, and I'm like, oh, that's Miriam. I can hear
1: it. <laughs> or did an accent slip or something?
0: No, it's just. Miriam, when she yells, she has a certain way of doing it because mm-hmm. I've heard her yell at people. Wicked child, wicked yeah, sheep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's just something about him like, oh, I can hear him. Oh, I need to have another
1: listen to that. Yeah, just a lot of the stuff there. Again, it was very straightforward, but it was all planned out. Like When we first meet her, she already establishes the fact of, like, well, when you, you grow up and then you leave the nest kind of thing. And that happens with her little puppies, and then you know she takes on Babe, and like when when the question of like can I call you mum mm-hmm. comes up, like there's no word response. It just happens, and you totally buy into it. Um, all her action throughout the film makes sense. All of the dramatic moments, the the sad moments, hit for me. Um, all the stuff with her, uh, the the other dog. Uh, his name Rex. Yes,
0: voiced by the Hugo, Hugo Weaving, Weaving dog, who's a voice I didn't recognize. I forgot it was Hugo. Yeah, me neither. But again, I'm
1: also not too familiar with him. Uh, yeah, just a lot of the things with the dogs really worked for me.
0: They're very expressive, very lovely dogs. I, when it comes to the dogs, I I agree they had some truly magnificent moments. The moment where he does come up to her and asks if he can call her mum also reminds me of something that is an obvious touchstone point for a film like Babe is Dumbo, right? Some of the best moments in Dumbo is these wordless sequences of him and his mother connecting even though they're separated him sleeping in her trunk and stuff like that and so I you know I think it's obvious to say that something like Babe pays a debt to something like Dumbo as well and it's even hilarious where a couple of years ago Tim Burton did a live action Dumbo that nobody cared or saw and it's like why would you try to do Dumbo in live action what's the point there was some video essay I, I watched that referenced and I'm like did that really happen yes it did <laughs> and, and it's like what would be the point yeah especially what's the point after you do something like babe which is a live action equivalent that you can point to of like this small, you know, creature that's different to everybody else and they find their way and they have all these little episodic adventures that all culminate into an overarching theme and message and has a loose thread of a plot throughout them all. Like, it's, it's right there, but I agree. The dogs really stood out. I thought uh, you would have been a furd, furdy head. I thought you would have been a furred <laughs> face. <man-man-face. laughs> I thought you called me a furry. <laughs> guys, guys. I thought you would have guys, been a real furry. Guys, guys <laughs> I think he's projecting a little. I think he's admitting something on the pod. We finally got him. After the chicken little discussion, we finally got him. Oh, yiff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but Furry was fun. You like you like furry? It- <laughs> <laughs>
1: I have no problem with furries, guys, all right? You, I like the funny animals. They're funny.
0: Will you hear that, guys? We got it on tape. He likes furries. But, uh, Ferdinand, I thought he would have been one of the people you were drawn to. He has that type of, uh, the, specific yeah, nebbish, voice. anxious energy. When he, at first he
1: seemed like just, you know, a recurring gag of like, oh, there's the duck that, you know, thinks it's a rooster or something, but they actually go into like <laughs> why he's doing His that? psychology and like his profile. And again, it goes back to the well thought out thing. Like, oh yeah, he, he understands the whole, uh forced notion of like everyone has their role you have to stick to it and he realizes that like oh ducks don't really have a place at a farm like i honestly didn't even know if he was owned by the farm or he was just mm-hmm. like a stray um and so when he gets into the whole thing of like yeah i i I need to force myself into this so that i can have a purpose and then now they've bought an alarm clock and that's threatening my plan and <laughs> Yeah, the 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 more you get out of him, the more you realize, like, oh, okay, this guy actually has like a whole motivation.
0: I like the line that he's an anorexic duck because he's <laughs> trying to not be a plump, and I loved that. I thought that was such a beautifully put together piece of business. Like you are in a kids' movie. <laughs> you just casually have, it, have an anorexic doc thrown in. Love it. It's good that in
1: 1995 they were trying to get anorexic uh, representation <laughs> yeah, and into the
0: discourse for the kids. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be until Zoolander that we'll get bulimia representation, mm. if you remember that joke.
1: I might. I've seen it they're, twice. Um, I should remember.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I've only seen Zoolander twice, uh, where the, the the love interest in Zoolander, she's like, I'm bulimic. And then they're like, oh, and then they ask if she can like move that glass over there with her brain and she's like, <laughs> No, bulimia, no, that's telekinesis, all of that. Um but uh Ferdinand, I, I enjoyed him. I I I enjoyed him a lot. I think they used him for the right amount. He leaves the movie, he actively leaves and then he actively comes back and it's kind of funny how he just comes back. It's like, yeah. Oh, he's back and he's like, Hey, what did I miss? And everyone's like, Oh god, no, we were so happy without <laughs> you. Like everyone hates him. So very much. Babe doesn't, because Babe's nice. No, Babe is the only one who who cares for him. Uh, as a person who loves cats, you specifically do, mm-hmm. I'm, I am indifferent. How did you feel about the villainy of cats in this? That cat representation <laughs> was shown to be bad.
1: No, no, no. The narrator said there are plenty of good cats in this world. but I aware, didn't see them. The narrator said so, and if you say it, it's true. <laughs> what did you think of the cat? <laughs> um... It was interesting. So it it kind of leads into some of the other things in the film. The animals can understand each other and the humans only hear, you know, the animal sounds that Mm -hmm. they make, but there are points where they make the animal sounds to other animals and it's like, are cats the only ones that don't speak like the common language here? It's like every single time we saw the cat until a certain point, it was just like, you know, you know, just cat sounds, we had that also with the sheep at points, and I think we might have even had it with like one of the dogs or horses or something. Mm. And it's like, okay, well, what's, what's, what, how well thought out is this going to be? And then eventually the cat does speak and it's like really conniving. And we learned mm-hmm. that, like, oh, when it's got the grudge, that's when it uses its words. And we did
0: hear that many other people would talk to the cats. We just didn't see those scenes. Like, lots of information was brought. To the gang because oh, the cat said this. The yeah, cat well, we, said
1: that. we never really followed any other animals that go in the house when when Babe doesn't go in the house. So yeah, it's it's all just a big mystery there. Mm. And also, you got like you know cats and dogs relationship. We don't know what they were like. Um, but yeah, and reading up that oh, it was the voice of Minnie Mouse in one of her only villainous roles. Yeah, who, was, also, was she also she? the
0: voice of um, Martin Prince on The Simpsons? I think she was
1: oh yeah wasn't that a
0: thing yeah yeah i do believe she was yeah that was a thing i'm pretty sure yeah so she russie taylor yeah she's on the simpsons I, that's the name i recognize from the simpsons from time to time but uh she was great. I loved the cat. I just loved that the cat was unabashedly a prick, mm. just a piece of garbage. And, when it and used, they chose and, <laughs> the right-looking cat. Like the cat looked perfect for what they needed. Yeah. Just this real fluff ball. Per with a
1: capital P-U-R-R.
0: Yes, perfect. Uh, but I loved that scene. That was also a highlight for me of just the gaslighting from this fucking cat and just, just like that
1: yeah. faux innocence. Like,
0: yeah. but Did I upset you? But they're telling the truth, mm. kind of. They're being a real jerk about it. We never see the cat again. No, no. uh I I did appreciate that. That scene followed in again with the maturity. He goes to ask about this, and they tell him the truth, and they just bluntly say, like, "Yeah, your parents, your relatives, are probably all dead. Yeah, and, and he, been eaten. That's and even, probably and even, what happened. Yeah. yeah,
1: and even when he gets to talk to Fly about it, like she asked him the question, like, "Do you want to talk about it?" and it felt like a you know, it was a really honest kind of question to ask like yeah you would want to potentially get some sort of closure or understanding about it
0: so we have this film that presents itself as very episodic and at most you are getting a development of his relationship to the other animals to the owners and the farmland itself But how did you feel when it started to open up a bit more and present us with, uh, I guess, like the the, the competition plot Mm. or the idea that he's found his his natural calling, which is not what pigs do. Like it goes outside of the rules of nature.
1: Mm. I do remember before I watched the film, because I didn't remember the plot or if I'd seen it at all. Um, and it just basically like, oh, a little sheep wants, little sheep, little pig wants to become a sheep dog. And I thought, like, okay, there's a fun premise little there, you know, going outside your wheelhouse. It takes a while for that to start, but like knowing that premise, you can see like the little, uh, bits and pieces adding up. They're like, oh, he meets the ma, the, mm-hmm. the sheep. The you. Oh, I just got that like, ba ma. mm mm-hmm. oh, This film really is Hence, well thought when out. when he's <laughs>
0: crying out her name, he starts to Ma remember yes i do that remember
1: I, I thought that was a little silly but i'll, really? I'll allow it
0: <laughs> <You're>, oh, no, <laughs> fucking yeah. babe how dare you do that <laughs> make you into pork they <laughs> only call you pig when you're alive which was a damning statement <laughs> boy is that true though i'm not just saying i'm eating pigs tonight it's funny because it's true and i laugh
1: we should call it swine Meeting swine tonight. Mm. <laughs> um yeah, you see all the little pieces adding up, like, oh the dogs go out. It's like, oh, this is something that only dogs do, and even like the little puppies go. Mm. Um and when we do get that scene of like, oh, he sees Rex and Fly do the job, it's this really intense kind of running around, growling, getting down, kind of menacing, and it's like, Okay, now it's your turn and it doesn't work out. And it's clear, like, oh, okay, so He's not going to learn to do it as it's normally done. Something else is gonna happen, and they have that very honest conversation with the sheep, where it's like, "Look, this isn't for you. This isn't the way it should be done." And
0: why would you want to be a jerk, wolf? They suck.
1: Yeah. Be and nice. It just, be it, nice. It it promotes niceness, politeness, mm. and you've you've even got like the whole recurring thing of like the racism between like the dogs and the sheep, mm. where it's like, oh each one thinks that they're, they're dumb like we
0: are i really, really like narration
1: i really like the scene where fly was getting the the information of like what happened to ma and it's, it's like well fly knew without a doubt that sheep are dumb so she spoke slowly and then the sheep respond the sheep knew that dogs are dumb without a doubt so they spoke slowly that they're ignorant <laughs> and it's it's like playing with the racism and yeah. it's like oh that's really interesting you don't really see stuff like that now i don't think
0: I think you do, but well, just maybe in certain that context. A too again, blunt. that this feels like very much like Paddington does this a lot in their movies as well. But uh, I I love that sequence too. That was that was uh oh god, I laughed at that. The narration was really well placed. It didn't uh, it didn't hamper or take away from the movie, and I didn't feel like it was hand holding me. They knew when to put it in there, and it was it was the right voice as well, if, very calming. I think
1: I think if the narration can ever make you laugh, then it's a good narration. Because mm. usually it's just for exposition.
0: Yeah. Sometimes it is used. Yeah. I'm making a lot of absolutist statements. Aren't supremely I? <laughs> well for comedy. I'd recommend Arrested Development, where Ron Howard is just narrating, <laughs> and it's 90% of the jokes from Ron Howard's narration. It's the old, very good.
1: Old PC Sierra adventure games had really fun ones like mm-hmm. King's Quest, Leisure Suit Larry, Space Quest.
0: Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I rather liked how slow building the plot was because. It It wasn't about that. It wasn't about the competition. It wasn't about uh, Hoggett winning it and becoming the best in the valley and all of that. It wasn't about getting the sheep back from those rustlers that got it. It really is about how... Babe becomes comfortable with who they are and how that's a good thing, and not only do they become comfortable with it, but everyone else, whether it is the animals or the humans and So when we eventually get to this combination with this televised event where everybody has to come to terms with who this pig is and what they do, it just really hits it out of the park of what the movie has been building towards talking about another brilliant piece of filmmaking or specifically audio we have the lead up where everyone's laughing their asses off and really uproariously having a go at babe for doing this but once babe gets it started silence oh edge Just of the, no the seat, without a doubt at that point no music Silence for a movie. That if I had a complaint, the music is a little bit nineties whimsy. A lot is a, a lot of whimsy. Yeah. A lot of nineties kids whimsy, and all they needed was some more fart sounds and bells and whistles. But they knew in that sequence, take it all away, take it all away. No music, no one clapping or reacting. Just the sound of the hooves moving and the trotters and the grass and. The characters briefly going, "Hey, thank you for that. Could you move over there now?" Uh, I think the announcer should have gone like, "Huh? What's happening?" <laughs> they, they they did fail their job, <laughs> but I I thought that was wow. I mean, talking about not pandering, that there is is really uh, something you can point to and say they they really took the craft of filmmaking and they applied it there to the way that you you ought to. It was it was also arguably one of the best pieces of the movie when it comes to just how they how they constructed it in general really good use of silence mm. and I, I like a good competition i like a good oh we've got an objective for our hero and they're going to be uh, derailed from it or oh, the cat's going to lead them to do this or rex is going to do that and oh there's jealousy here or there's self-doubt there and there's oh, the judges aren't too sure about this, and oh, Mrs. Hoggett thinks it's weird, and all of that uh, bigotry or prejudice or hurdles that have to be overcome by Babe is, is masterfully done because Babe does take it to heart. Like, Babe does get hurt. Babe does have emotions. Babe is a child. And so these comments, these statements, these looks hurts Babe. And so they are a character that feels more worthy of following than if they were the uh, i'm gonna i'm sorry i'm gonna say it but if they were the the, the harry potter type where they're just like oh bleh, i'm i'm the protagonist and i'm just gonna keep going forward could have used a scar
1: on his head though
0: they're not like Harry Potter, though. Like, that's always been one of my disconnects with Harry Potter. Harry Potter has, like, all of this in the movies. I'm not going to, I'm not talking about the books, but in the movies, Harry Potter is this character with all of this shit against him, but he just has such a fucking can do attitude that I find to be unbelievable and if not unbelievable definitely isolating that's why when it comes to those movies I related more to Ron because mm. Ron didn't have that Ron was a nervous Nellie so I just bring that up as an example about what makes Babe work even more like you're moralizing to children right mm. but you're you're also showing like like how children you, your feelings get hurt you actually do like you actually go through that you cry about it you run away but it's about picking yourself back up again. That's the thing. Mm. I mean, how did you feel just about about that element of it when it comes to this? Because it's a very sweet film, but it, it isn't afraid to, uh, you know, not pull back its punches when it comes to those beats of the story. Yeah, again, it's just...
1: <laughs> I wasn't expecting that sort of maturity from the Talking Pig film that I figured, oh, I probably saw that when I was five, so it must be, you know, kind of made purely for five-year-olds or maybe, like, a little bit older, something there. But, yeah, it's it's just a very honest film that can be used as an allegory for things in real life, and that was an astounding element of it. I was really, really
0: pleasantly surprised by it. Are there any other things you want to touch upon, elements, scenes, characters, or just pieces of information you've got?
1: Is it? believable to think that a little pig could kill a sheep
0: i mean no i thought that too but with what we saw <laughs> i mean he couldn't even bite their legs it, i mean it
1: when, I mean, a dog could kill a that, sheep. That scene ended, and there was a little bit more of the film happening. I thought, like, oh yes, everyone's really mourning the sheep, and then it, it almost felt like a plot twist to me that, like, they thought that the pig killed the sheep. Oh, what? Like, oh, admit-
0: what? Oh, okay. As a you I immediately knew once he got the blood on his nose. I'm like, oh, it's going to be one of those moments. I
1: mean, yeah, I saw the blood on the nose, and I'm like, oh yeah, if, if if this was a more ferocious type of animal, they'd think that it did it.
0: Oh, by the way, by the way, um the movie has blood <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah on
0: the on the pigs now <laughs> and on the sheep we see it's like throat it's it's fucking brutal well pigs can be vicious i mean pigs can go you yeah that's why i meant back. like a
1: little piglet though
0: i mean i don't know if it's out of the realm of possibility but i agree that was a little beat in the story where i go okay but uh, i went okay in this way Come on, Hoggett, you know this pig. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Didn't you hear the narrator when you first met the pig? You had a connection.
0: Yes, yes. Your, your, uh, destiny and fate and all mm. of that. I like the element also when he was
1: signing the, the form to enter the pig. He's like, Mr. Hoggett was an honest man. So if it said name of dog, he knew that he couldn't get around that. <laughs> <laughs> but then. That was funny. I really liked that. It was also very sweet.
0: I thought you were talking about when he first grabbed uh babe and he and the, they uh, put down his information on, on his guests and they're like uh we'll call you we'll call you if you win and it's like oh no when you win oh you mean
1: the contest i mm. know oh, i meant later uh, on when he's submitting the form to put him in the competition yes yes yes
0: <laughs> i was just thinking about when we first met babe like mm. he first met babe and they had that connection yeah um and well, talking about that connection the the cinematography was really great when it came to james cromwell and, and Magda because they're old they're made up to be older looking than they were, and mm. I think the makeup and all that looks fantastic because james Cromwell. Outside of the, the, the sideburns he has, he basically looks like that now. Mm, yeah. More white hair on the top of his head when than was, what we re- saw, yeah. but he basically looks like that.
1: When I was reading that, Magda Shubansky was in her like early 30s when she did the film. I'm like, oh, wow, the makeup really made her seem older.
0: Yeah, if anything from what I gather, it's making her look like how old she is currently now. Yeah. Which
1: yeah. Maybe even a bit more,
0: but Yeah, maybe a little bit older, but definitely they were supposed to be in like, their late 50s. So Yeah,
1: they had grandchildren.
0: So. Yeah, um fun fact, their son-in-law the guy who you know talked about the fax machine, like and all a bit that. of a turtleneck. Yeah, he he was the main character in the series *Farscape*, but he was one of the other agents in the Matrix film, in the first Matrix oh, movie. I there was other that, agents, yeah. so Hugo Weaving and this guy are both in the same movie. And just a just a fun little piece of information. You should
1: rewatch the film and see if he ever gives Rex like a look, mm. like a knowing look.
0: But I just bring up the cinematography because you, you get so many beautiful shots of just James Cromwell's stern face but also that warm reassuring look of just i'm all right it's like hence the final sequence in the movie where he says that will do pig and he gives you he gives the look to the camera and you just go oh, you know what it will be fine we're, we're, we're all good that's the end of the movie I I just wanted to bring it up because you know he's one of the people you you get drawn to when you watch this and there's a story I, I imagine you read this too about James Cromwell being in the older makeup he something about his father yeah, right Yeah he, he James Cromwell has talked about this in the past but he's a, he's an anxious actor and so up until that point, you know, he's done several movies, but nothing, even then, nothing with as big of a leading role as in, as in this movie does. Like, he's in most of the movie. He's, one, he's the leading human role in it. Um, but, yeah, he's always had that uh, doubt of his abilities. And so at that moment, apparently, and he, I've heard him talk about this in interviews even, where he got choked up where he saw himself in the reflection of the lens and he realized, like, he was his dad. He looked exactly like his dad. And it really motivated him like a, like he's almost like his dad talking to him, saying, that'll do, Jamie. Like, you're doing good. Mm. And uh, it's very, very, very tender and loving. And this movie had an impact on everyone involved, mate, like uh, pretty much on most people involved making it. Like George Miller had a real, this was a passion project for him, something that took him ages. He was waiting for the technology. Uh, you know, Chris Noonan also was involved and wanted to make this story, even though he had conflicts making it. Yeah, you have Magda, where this gave her international, no, like internationally, make her well known. When we just knew her for skit comedy at the time, she wasn't even doing Kath and Kim then. Hmm. That was before Kath and Kim, which is probably what she's best known for now.
1: When did that start? Was it early Uh, two thousands? Yeah, I want to say
0: very late nineties, early two thousands. I want to say early two thousands, but I only saw a few
1: episodes of it. Oh, it was
0: great, but um, and then she played netball in that, right? Yes 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 um but uh and she's always got an injury of some sort that's a character's <laughs> joke like a neck brace or a wrist thing or something but uh 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 what was i saying oh yeah you, you got people involved who make this and then you get james cromwell who who's an activist he he got arrested a couple of years ago because he was protesting at uh i think like a nuclear power plant or an oil refinery or something he got arrested and that's like him he's he's he puts his money where his mouth is when it comes to his activism. He was a vegetarian while making this, and now he's a vegan because of making this movie. And last I checked, I think he was still vegan. Mm. So he's one of those guys where when you look him up, you know, he's a bit of a bit of a beatnik hippie guy, but you know, he he he's been actively like that. He kind of reminds me of the actor Ed Begley Jr. in that way, where they often play and Dennis Hopper as well, Well, they often play in their movies the rich yuppie type really well, because if anyone knows how much the man sucks, it's hippies. When, and when, so you get that.
1: When he gets arrested, do you think the cops tell him that'll do? That'll do, that'll do. And he's like, he's no, a,
0: stop it. He's a big guy. Those are my words. Those are my <laughs> words. He's a big dude. But um, I, I don't have too much else to say about the the film itself. There's some little, little interesting... Conversation pieces I have, but other than that, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, uproarious time. Uh, I, I I made me want to watch the second one uh, as well, but also uh, just made me want to watch more great family films. Like I've mentioned a few of them on here, and they've all been floating in my brain because I'm just excited to watch. That. I mean, how often do you have that per se when it, you play a video game? or you watch a movie or a show where you watch something of a certain ilk, a certain genre, say, and it does such a great job of it that it makes you want to go on a bit of a stint of watching more of that genre. It probably happens every now and then. Yeah, and yeah. I think Babe really did that for me. Like, I don't think I've uh, said recently on this podcast, oh, man, I've watched this family film, and it's making me want to watch more family <laughs>
1: films. Well, I know for me, and you've you've probably been putting up with this for many years, Like, you bring up some iconic thing, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I've seen that. So... It's a kind of thing like what else out there have not I seen? I know there's a couple of things that you've mentioned like a million times at every time you ask me about. I'm like no, no, I remember, I haven't seen that. Yeah, <laughs> Alien, Alien, and Bay Pig in the City. <laughs> Similar films. I know that that one wasn't received as well, but it's actually kind of on the same level. Oh, I think it's better.
0: Um, oh, Roger Ebert and Siskel also thought it was better. Okay, they. I think E. I think Siskel made it his film of the year. Interesting. And you want to hear something very funny. Siskel loves, he loves, Siskel loved Ferd, And he <laughs> just kept saying, I've got a pitch for you, George Miller. Babe three, it's called Ferdinand. And you just make a <laughs> movie about that duck. I love that duck. And Roger Ebert just smiling and nodding going, He's pretty good, but like you can tell, he's like I don't love him that much. But he's pretty great. That burn.
1: Siskel is a confirmed Ferdy.
0: I mean, it's hard because as I said I've watched them both pretty equally, and so things merge from them. This does have the benefit of more James Cromwell action, but I, I really do. You would love the second one for a specific sidekick animal character. Okay, and I, I don't want to give away too much about that in case we do watch. But let I me just s- say this: they they have a gangster voice, like a, a street tough voice like hey yeah this world could use one of them basically (laughs) teams up with babe and babe is now in charge of a gang and so you have Babe being like is it like a city animal yes yeah well well yeah it's set in the city it's just a regular well actually yeah it's it's a regular animal that you would be but the voice they use for it and just the gags of like babe will be like hi there and then the dog this creature it's a dog i'll give it away it's a dog okay will come up and just be like Hey, the boss is talking to you, <laughs> and <laughs> that's that's, that's a new type yeah. thing. <laughs>
1: I did I did hear that there's a the voice for the second film was Tommy Pickles instead of Chucky, right?
0: Oh, I, I didn't. All have these a... like
1: Rugrat things going on. Yeah, because
0: <laughs> Babe gets a little bit older. Right.
1: That one. Yeah, you go from Chucky to Tommy, but Chucky was older, mm-hmm. um, and also more Magda Szubanski in that, less James yeah. Cromwell. Yeah. Okay, that's an interesting. Like, also, change. the
0: city that they go to. Mm. Is it amalgamation of practically every big city on the in the in the world? Like you see it, and it's like, oh, there's the Taj Mahal, there's this, there's that. Like it's, it's every city. That sounds a lot of fun. It is. It is, and it looks like it's in a snow globe. <laughs> it's really great. That's cool. I mean, yeah,
1: we should we should do it. We
0: should do it. At but, some um, point. Is there anything else you want to go over? Because I just have one or two things um, I to mention.
1: In terms of negatives, like I've mentioned a couple, like the sheep thing. Um, the kind of inconsistency about like the the animal sounds, but the only other one really is as much as I did like the stuff with the dogs, there comes a point where we don't get a fair bit of Rex. Like he, you know, he gets aggressive, he bites, uh, Mm -hmm. James Cromwell, he gets the injection, And then he's just kind of off the side, not really doing anything. And then he comes back and he's like a different character. Like, I know that when they- They
0: gave us his backstory.
1: Yeah, they gave us his backstory. And I know that when they mentioned the injection thing, they said that like, oh, after he takes this, he'll, you know, never work again or something like that. And I took that to mean like, oh, is is he going to become like lobotomized or Mm -hmm. something? And the fact that we weren't hearing anything from him, like gave me that impression, like, oh, this is like a- no longer a man kind of thing Mm. but then when he came back he was just like a virtuous kind of character like it was not i still like the character but i feel like there needed to be like a middle middle ground shift a
0: couple couple more steps to be taken my big complaint is 80 percent of the movie is overdubbed including the like uh, human actors i found that distracting how much of it was dubbed and i don't know why and then i think i do know why which mm. is, where does this take place? Where does this take place? Mm-hmm. According to Siskel and Ebert and many American reviewers, they're like, at it in Australia. It's an Australian film. It's set in Australia. You've got Australian actors and James Cromwell. It's set in Australia. And then I, and I thought that as a kid. I'm like, oh, it's set here in Australia. Because not, it's not got having, an actor. It's got yeah. some Australian people.
1: But then... Obviously, because I thought this was just an Australian film, I thought that mm-hmm. growing up. But then watching the film, I thought like, oh, America. But then like... But and Christmas the, wasn't
0: snowy. No, and it's... Apparently, according to IMDb's trivia, it's in England. It's like rural England. And then I go, I can kind of see how that could be the case because the way that they dress is more rural English country oh, yeah, especially than Magda's rural Like yeah. The fact that nobody's wearing a Akubra hat... For instance, like the you know the iconic Australian farming hat. For instance, gives that and and it has that kind of green greenness that you would associate with an English farm rather than an Australian farm. So I was thinking about that, but what really throws me, and this is where I I, I couldn't find any trivia about this, but I wonder if they had them all speaking with their natural Australian accents, and then for the American market, or for this to reach a global success, they had them all dubbed back over with American voices, because James Cromwell's the one who's least dubbed in the movie, because he's using his natural voice, which has a bit of an Irish lilt to it anyway. And... But he's American, but he just has he can naturally have that lilt. And Magda, she's doing an American accent, like she's not doing Magda's voice, and she's not doing an English voice either. And and the guy, like I said, the the son-in-law, he's Australian, and I'm noticing he's doing a bit of an English accent, like hello there, And he was very much dubbed, and and then he would be doing an American, and the daughter's doing an American. And I wonder if that was the case or not. And, I, and that was my biggest gripe with it. And obviously this isn't like, when I say that, that sounds like it's a very damning piece of criticism, but in all honesty, you get used to it after a certain point, but I really did make me wonder where this was from. And then once I started to think about that and notice the dubbing, I'm like, I reckon it was originally supposed to be the either Australia or England. And then they've dubbed it over with these American accented voices over the top of it. For the human characters. I, I, I mean, you could
1: tell me otherwise, but I, off the top of my head, I can't really remember any English accents. Right? I only remember the Americans, really. It's weird. Yeah, I, I thought this was like, you know, rural America.
0: Yet it doesn't look or have the hallmarks of any of that. Yeah. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, Americans, but I don't think of American culture, farming culture, to have sheepdog competitions – like that's something I think of in Australia and in England doing way more. Now that may be me being naive here, and I'll fully admit to that. Like I'm sure that exists, but like the 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 sheepdog culture that they have here seems very Australian and very English to me as well. Um, they had some kelpies in this movie. I was like, hey, it's in Australia. They have some kelpies. Like I, I was like, hey, it's <laughs> some Australian dogs. Like so, mm. I don't know. It is. Something yeah. and that's it why this was filmed in Australia, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. why the second film is even better because they just throw it all out the window and say we live in a world where every culture is in one place. This actually takes place on Pangaea. Wouldn't Pangaea never separated? Wouldn't
1: that be bold? <laughs> that would be really cool <laughs> twist. Like, hey, we never we never said what country it is, but Christ existed. <laughs> guess, <laughs> guess which continent it's on. Notice I said continent singular.
0: Oh, by the way, we didn't mention it. Great gag with the fax machine. They kept building on that fax machine. Magda was very much against it, but we learned that James Cromwell, he's very for technology, hence his mm. gait. And we keep seeing him use the fax machine and get more comfortable with it as it goes along <laughs> to the point where we have an epic, I've got to grab the phone, and he just grabs the phone off the fax machine and dials it like it's nothing. And I just <laughs> thought that was great. And they didn't draw too much attention to it. It was just a little thing that kept building it. And I just thought, Thank you so much. Thank you so much for this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And again, with the American thing, like in the credits, like obviously one thing to look into in films like this or Racing Stripes is like, oh, who are all the voice actors? And there were a couple of names that I did notice there. It's like, yeah, they were all like kind of Americans or people that I hear in a lot of American products. Like I saw uh, the voice actress for Jimmy Neutron was there. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy, there was a guy. Neil Ross, I think he played Volgan in Metal Gear Solid Three. Oh no! Nice. And Moneybags in Spyro Three. There's a
0: lot of threes.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it was just like all these Americans. So that kind of led more into the idea of like, oh yeah, everyone had got... an Americanish accent, so this must be American. And then
0: you got Miriam Margulies there.
1: Yeah, and that's again one. I think I did read that she was in the film like a week before I watched it. But then when I saw her name in the credits as Fly, I'm like, oh shit, I I didn't catch that.
0: Ah, uh, truly great. Now. I, I think we both recommend Babe. I think we both do. Uh, one last statement to make. How do you feel about a film like this? Getting a Best Picture nomination. Because this was, like I said, a little bit before our time. like We existed but weren't cognizant of things. Oh, It was like years the, before I mastered English. <laughs> I feel like in the 90s, late 80s to 90s, to eventually Shrek, they were far more willing to nominate family films for the Best Picture with stuff like uh, Beauty and the Beast and stuff like this. Yeah. And then eventually I feel like once, and I've talked about this before, I have a problem with the best animated picture category because it does feel like they look at it as this is where the kidsy things get
1: put. In animation in general, that's the mm-hmm. big contra- like controversy section on like every year's Oscars, it looks like.
0: And I do think that that category being made did significantly reduce down family films being nominated for such prestigious awards i mean a few years back i brought it up several times and i know if one of if ben the film buster listens to this he would burst a blood vessel because he hates paddington but people were genuinely upset that paddington too didn't get any of these big nominations yet you know or hugh grant specifically like he had been nominated for some big awards for that because he's genuinely excellent in the movie but when we get to like the big hitters like an oscar I feel like they just don't, don't like, a film like Babe would never be a contender anymore. How do you just feel about just that? Because we mentioned, like, Babe, oh, Best Picture winner, but, like, to me that's just something that it's, it's really hard to imagine.
1: Yeah, uh, the, I think there comes a point where you just, you know what? Before we started recording this, you were telling me, like, oh, you know, hear that E3, the video game annual expo, is, like, cancelled and not happening anymore. It feels like, uh, you know, if this this big organisation that's in charge of uh, assigning esteem to all these films is just missing the mark for a lot of people, do we stop taking it seriously at this point?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: I know that there's, like, the big spectacle every year and there's things to talk about, but at this point, it's like, you know, they're not changing when talking about animation, just, you know, fuck them at this point kind of yeah. attitude. Maybe they will change. Who knows? Mm-hmm. The the thing about life is the older people die and then the younger people
0: take over everything. And they let films like Parasite and everything everywhere all at once win. Um, no, I, I, I completely agree. I just think it's interesting about how films like this would have such such high acclaim and we the viewer still give them such high acclaim there's many popular films that are made for children or tv shows more nowadays that are made for younger people that are just as resonant with adults i think we're actually in a great age for children's entertainment and family entertainment yeah,
1: I, you'd already told me this and i already heard it but i came home from work at some point this last week Weird thing to say. Um, and my brother was like, you know what I watch? I watched that new Puss in Bo- Boots film and it was not overhyped. Like it was legitimately really good. Every yeah. every single actor did fantastically. And I'm like, oh yeah. shit, wow.
0: And I still haven't had the chance to see it. Yeah. My wife saw it when and my, i heard nothing but great things about it. When my brother is
1: telling me that an overhyped film was actually like phenomenal, it's like,
0: oh, jeez. And I loved Puss in Boots and the Shrek films. So, you know, <laughs> it's a win-win. Maybe, maybe one day I'll watch it. Well,
1: we have to watch the first one with the rape joke.
0: I never watched the first one, and I don't know Me what neither. that means. <laughs> What's
1: the joke? Prison rape joke. Sorry. It's oh, different. sorry. Okay, I get it now. Yeah. Prison rape's funny. Remember?
0: Yes, yes. I've watched Big Stan. So, what is your recommendation for the for the next episode? Now, everybody everybody knows this, but we we have Polish Lent coming up, which means we yes. take a week off from podcasting because you know we're Catholics. So, no, we're podcasters. We, Yes. And Polish. So, sorry. Before the phrase podcast got invented by Apple, we used to just call them Catholics. Did Apple invent the name? You just said iPod. Why not? Because iPods were the big thing. Oh, who They're cares? Apple iPods. Who cares? I care, but Yeah, you know, did. You just interrupted the flow. I was just going to say, before <laughs> the phrase podcast were invented, it was just called Catholics, and we'd have crusades about it. Uh, but what are you recommending for when we do return from Polish Lent?
1: Uh, so, you might be guessing what sort of thing I'm recommending already, Ryan, because, uh, you know, Mr. Police, I left you all the clues. <laughs> um, but... The snowman again. Sorry? The snowman, the snowman. again. <laughs> well, there was a sequel. You didn't hear that it was made. Oh, no. This time they did 70% of the film. <laughs> um, no. So last year you made a unofficial request okay. or like, a, oh, you know, this will be something nice to do, mm-hmm. something in your wheelhouse, Bartek. And I said, well, you know what? There is literally one thing that fits that category, and I think I'll do it next year. So every year I pick a Bollywood film mm-hmm. and I think now is the time to do our Bollywood film. Yes. So last year when we did, uh, the Darjeeling limited, a film that was made in India, mm. um, it had Idafan Khan in it. And we had a good conversation in that episode about how, yeah, this guy is really good. We'd like to see a whole film about him. I mentioned there is only one Bollywood film I've seen that has in it, And that's what I want to recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, And it is on Netflix. I remember a week ago, you, Rachel, and a friend of ours came to hang out at my house, and we watched something on Netflix. And it showed, like, my most recent search. I'm like, oh, shit, spoiler. Uh, I don't know if you noticed. I may have. but You may have. Um, So it's a 2009 film. Um, It's called Bilu. B-I-L-L-U. It's the name of the main character. Okay. It's sometimes also called Bilu Barber, like Baba like it's his job. Ah. Um, yes, okay. Yeah, so I think it's mostly known as Bilu, but I've always called it like Bilu Barber. I yeah. mean,
0: it, it sounds like it would be a part of the Bahubali universe. The, you know. <laughs> no,
1: no, that's a different film industry. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> so yeah, Bilu Baba, it's on Australian Netflix, so it's easy to find. Thankfully, every Bollywood film I've recommended has been on some sort of streaming service. Oh, Netflix, specifically. Oh, well, no, Doom, I had to lend you. But yeah, you Netflix, to, yeah. it's on there.
0: fucking Netflix. Where's the Doom films, you dummies? Yeah, there's three. You can get all of them. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I was really happy that I said dummies. Yeah, they're dumbasses, right? Oh, <laughs> Red Foreman's here. Uh, Dumbass.
1: <laughs> Doom challenge.
0: Doom doom. Imagine
1: Kurtwood Kurt would Kurt Smith, please, please sing the doom. The all three of them, please. All three, all three, doom machale,
0: <laughs> Doom doom. You can bring
1: you can bring Deborah Joe up with you. It's fine. Oh, she, she could do. sing
0: the doom like the whispering doom doom but but in the kitty voice. Yes. Oh, uh, dum. I can't do the kitty voice. No one other than her can. <laughs> oh man so that is it people make sure to follow us on social medias of facebook and twitter spit and polish presents you can email us spitandpolished and polished at com. all of this is in the description as per usual make sure to check out this film we'll have it in the description below in case you do need to get the spelling of it again or whatever the case may be give it a watch for yourselves in the meantime how long is it A regular Bollywood length. Okay, so guys, clear a good three hours out of your day. I think they've
1: all kind of just been like 247-ish. Oh,
0: yeah. A good three hours, because you might want to take a little bit of a break in the intermission point.
1: You might want to watch it in like four chunks, as the filmmakers intended. Oh, yes. (laughs) Uh,
0: Okay, So, so here's your plan, guys. When the intermission happens, watch Avengers Endgame. And when that is done, then you finish it. So then you've spent nine hours of your day watching really long movies. And we're
1: assuming you watched the other 21 films in the Bilu Barber universe beforehand. Oh, please tell me that there's
0: <laughs> 21 more films. They are
1: all interconnected. <laughs> A lot of films are mentioned in the film.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, that is all we have to, to give you. Until next time, remember to be kind to each other. Kindness is good. You know, I haven't seen too many things
1: that Magda Szubinski has actually been in, but I know her because, you know, being a Polish person in Melbourne, she seems to get brought up a lot in my family. As a menace or as a hero? Just as a person that exists, really. Um, I remember one time mum was like, oh yeah, I went to get lunch at St Kilda and she was having lunch there. That was interesting. And we have this one family friend who is very involved with the Polish community here in Mm. Melbourne. And I remember mum said like, oh yeah, I went to this event with her and Magda was one of the, yeah, she called her Magda, Magda was one of the people. Because <laughs> your mum's like- <laughs> on first name basis with her now. Well, it's also every time someone has a Polish name, it's the Polish pronunciation. So every mm-hmm. time you said Magda in this episode, I'm like, ugh, this guy. Uh, this guy. Yeah, Magda Szubanski. Um, Yeah, and she was there and, you know, we exchanged some words, but yeah, she was there working with my friend. And I remember once my stepbrother who does a sort of electricianish job. Once installed a thing at her house. just
0: So he knows where she lives.
1: At, at some point he I did. have
0: a story too. When I was on drama camp, which was a camp we had for country kids to go to Sydney once a year to see a bunch of shows, mm-hmm. we were staying at a, a youth hostel hotel place, and across the way was like a, a, a fruit and veg market, and we walked through it, and there she was getting stuff because she was in Sydney at the time, Doing Guys and Dolls, the musical, the stage musical, and this was when she had just lost a bunch of weight because she was the uh Jenny Craig spokesperson at the time. That was like okay. a big deal; it was like all over the place. And now it's been a big deal since then because Jenny Craig is kind of like fucked up a bit, you know. So it's one of those things where it's like you can lose weight in the moment, but it doesn't help you consistently so you know she ballooned again and it's a whole thing but i have my little i have my little story too about seeing her and she was like buying big pumpkins <laughs> she
1: she has a internal radar it's like a polish person's gonna be here
0: i better be doing
1: some activity with, with some sort of connection to bartek i guess